You are listening to episode eight of the Screen Slate podcast. I'm your host, John Derringer, the editor and founder of Screen Slate. And this week, I'm joined by audio engineer C. Spencer Yeh, who's also on mic for this episode. Our very, very special guest this week is sex educator, journalist, artist, and entrepreneur Zoe Ligon, aka the Dildo Duchess who you may know from her popular Instagram account, Thongria, or maybe you bought a special gift for a loved one or yourself from her business, Spectrum Boutique. We've known Zoe for a long time, and she is, in the big scheme of things, probably one of the very earliest Screen Slate readers. So we were thrilled to reunite and sit down in person while she was back in Brooklyn visiting from Detroit. We talk about working at DIY spaces like Spectacle Theater and 285 Kent, leaving New York and starting her own business, and how her enduring love of fucked up movies led her to start a burgeoning community of film freaks on Discord. We also listen to voicemails from our Hot Take Hotline about sex and movies and sexy movies and not-so-sexy movies. This episode is brought to you by the German Film Office, which, I should probably clarify, does not pre-review our content and probably had no idea what they were getting into when they decided to sponsor a ScreenSlate podcast. Nevertheless, we strongly encourage you to visit germanfilmoffice.us, sign up for their newsletter, follow them on social media, and you can stay up to date on all the really incredible German film happenings in New York City, on the internet, and beyond. And of course, we want to shout out our Patreons, without whom not only this podcast, but ScreenSlate overall truly would not be possible. So if you visit us online and you check out our listings at ScreenSlate.com or you get the daily email if you like reading the write-ups. All of that, the number one source of our funding for that is our Patreon. So visit Patreon.com slash ScreenSlate. You can support us. You also get bonus episodes and all kinds of other cool stuff, discounts from our partners. So check it out. And without further ado, here's Zoe. Whoa, testing. New audio environment. Okay, and right. you're a I'm, you're a veteran podcaster. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, I don't podcast anymore. Yeah, I, I, I was listening to the pod a little <laughs> bit. Yeah, I went straight to the necrophilia episode. <laughs> the best ones were the ones where I was like uh, most afraid of what I was saying, probably. Yeah, I don't know. I I didn't. Uh, nothing jumped out to me as being um, <laughs> necrophilia. Whole whole. I mean. Just in thinking about the movies that also I'm the most afraid to screen, I'm also like they just oh, tend right. to have that type of stuff in it. Do too. you <laughs> <laughs> do you do you do like um, like content warnings and stuff when you screen and like make sure people are aware of and comfortable with like what you're gonna show, or do you just go for it? Okay, so do you know the website doesthedogdie.com? It sounds familiar. Yeah, so like it's- it. Tells you if a dog dies in a movie. Has, have they expanded? <laughs> oh, it's it's like maybe 50 different criteria of potential. Oh, wow. tra- everything from like, you know, seizure warning type stuff. So uh-huh. I'll just tell people like, here's another reminder to check this website. Uh-huh. And if it's something so obscure that it's not got an entry on it. I mean, yeah, I try yeah. to fill out the entries myself. But oh, is it like community yeah, driven? Yeah. Oh, so you're like a contributor. I try to, Whoa. especially if there's zero entries for it. Can you track people's contributions? Like, That's could people question. like? Do you have an account like Thongria on DoesTheDogDie.com and people could see your uh, edits? My my like movie persona is Cock Party, like C A U L K underscore Party. Yeah. So uh, I don't know. And that's like a, a pun. 
Yeah, I don't <laughs> even know. <laughs> yes, I don't uh, actually get down with Kulk very Kulk often. Yeah. Uh, Kulk. yeah, just a dumb pun I adopted uh-huh. into a screen name. But yeah, I, I don't know if you can track people's entries. But yeah. I think uh, Does the Dog Die kind of like... Because what I found also... Oh, I was taking this class a couple summers ago where we were watching horror movies and talking about them. You know, it was like a book club, essentially. Every week we would meet and talk about the movies we had watched together. And I found that the content warnings that the teacher were giving us were huge spoilers for the content we were watching. Yeah, yeah. To the point where I felt like I wasn't able to enjoy... When I mean, like, I am a person with a very complex history of trauma. I have PTSD, and yet I find that I don't always want to have a heads up for what I'm about to watch. Sometimes I'm in a place where I do want to be completely emotionally blindsided in order to emotionally experience what I'm watching. Mm -hmm. Um, However, obviously, there's certain topics we really want to avoid, and that's what I think is so great about Does the Dog Die is you get to kind of, like, choose your own adventure of whether you want a content <laughs> warning or not. Exactly. Yeah. No, I think that's actually a pretty good way of, of handling it because, you know, uh, there are pros and cons. And sometimes it's like, is the trigger warning going to be itself triggering? Yeah. And I think like a self, as you said, choose your own adventure tool for, do you want the content warning is nice. Yeah. And it's good that there are um, web warriors uh, <laughs> updating they call it emotional spoilers. There are obviously things that are so chock full of disturbing material that I'll kind of say like, this one's going to be a doozy. I highly recommend doing your research on this one. Unless you really just want to be like, you know, go diving into the deep end. It's hard though. Well, I was going to say, we, we just kind of jumped into it, but <laughs> could you, so you were talking about screening movies. Could you explain to our to our listeners about your <laughs> Discord? <laughs> um, I started a Discord about a year and some change ago because I like what I call fucked up movies. So not just horror movies, but things that just are like soul crushing in some way. <laughs> which can be a drama, which could even be a comedy. Yeah. Like I like to, I think boss baby is a fucked up movie <laughs> or like totally, cat, yeah. cat in the hat. Boss um, baby two. Cats. Um, you know, yeah. those are all fucked up movies. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> cats, is, cats is pretty fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I realized that I had a movie taste where I couldn't easily find peers that would actually want to hear me talk about the shit I was watching um, and, and my boyfriend is a real good sport watching whatever I want to watch with him, but he just does not have the passion I do when it comes <laughs> to the fucked up stuff. So he was like, you should make a discord so you can talk to people about your weird movie tastes. Whoa. So I did that. And obviously it first started out with just being a lot of people who already followed me. And obviously I do sex education and I sell sex toys. That has nothing. I mean, at first glance, that has nothing to do with fucked up movies. (laughs) 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 Um, No, but it's obviously not too much of a, a direct connection, but I was surprised how many people really were like, hell yeah. And we had some really great discussions uh, right off the bat and then, you know, it found its way, the link found its way to Reddit and all these other places where there's now more strangers, which makes it even more fun. In my opinion, I like 
being more of an anonymous person yeah, yeah. In, in how I screen movies so that I'm not like a person that you know everything about who is hosting content. And, you know, it's just nice to be able to kind of put it out into the ether and, and, and have conversations around it because for me, it's like, it's like a philosophy class for me. And this is, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. Wait, wait. So are you saying that you have like multiple like burner accounts or something? Oh no, no. I, I'm never actually anonymous, but you know, if someone's joining from Reddit mm. or something, you know, oh, I see. people I, have I, no I see. idea who I am. And especially if I'm, I'm playing a movie that has a lot to do with sexual content, sometimes the subjects are so close to home for me that I like being able to discuss it just like as a person and not as a person that people know has an entire career around sex, for instance, Mm -hmm. so that I can really also, so people aren't censoring what they're thinking and saying in the chat room as we discuss movies um, when it comes to sex, like, because I don't know if, if you're, if you're talking to somebody and you know that they have their entire career around sex, it might change the way you're, discussing it with the group do you know what i'm saying like not in a good or bad way pure preconceptions yeah 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 yeah. it's been interesting to i I just did my first like official screening of uh we're all going to the world's fair we had jane do the director do a q a and like that got a ton of jane's followers or like you know fans of jane's work to be now a part of our discord and i'm like cool like this is a group of people who's probably more or less aligned with us but it's not going to be you know, uh, what's the word? It, bubble, bubble thinking, whatever. Uh. Oh, <laughs> wait, wait, what, what is, what is, yeah, what's what the is that term? You, you know what I'm talking about? Like, I, 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 I can't vent or closed-minded or, or like, like echo chamber, echo yes. chamber. oh echo my god chamber. why was yeah, that yeah, so yeah. hard yes I, echo chamber is the word I was um thinking of. so can can like screen slate people jump on your they should your i'm not trying to like blow your spot up but. i think the url i'll double check but i think it's discord.gg slash get effed so g-e-t-e-f-f-e-d <laughs> i think that's our like evergreen link okay, but cool also, i was gonna say it could be like get fed Get get f ed. Get the feds. Get the feds. (laughs) Get f feds. Anyone's welcome to join. The more the merrier. And there's a lot of regularly active people who all know each other very well, but we only know each other through the group. No one knew each other beforehand. Sometimes at the height of the pandemic, it was like every night, and like we'll like jackbox together with like other people will like (laughs) game and like talk to each other. So people have gotten real life friendships. I've met several people in person off the Discord. Yeah, because they're they're cool. You know, Spencer and I are are, uh, prolific jackbox uh, warriors. Yeah, we um, definitely uh, jackbox a lot. In fact, like I, I actually <laughs> made new friends. Definitely solidified existing bonds or, or yeah, repaired. Exactly. Yeah, like yeah. people who Learned have been kind of on the outs with. What's your, what's your game? Are you like Quiplash or Joke Boat? So the t-shirt game for some reasons just Hell like yes. really Fuck reliable. Yeah. Hell yes. Um I have some very talented <laughs> artists in the group. Um, yeah, yeah. We we really just stick with the same jokes. Like we're really into piss humor on our Discord. So it's just like anytime there's like like something piss related in a in a slogan or a illustration, it's just like an automatic win. So we're definitely a little biased in terms of our we got we like potty humor. I, I've, yeah. I've definitely <laughs> noticed that like the different sort of crews that 
I would like Jackbox with and mm. T-shirt with. Each crew sort of had its own sort of like fixation. Oh, wait, 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 give me some examples. Like, uh, you know, <laughs> one particular crew um, was really focused on like cum and drugs. Cum, cum is a pretty reliable mm, you know. subject. I also think drugs are great as well. You know. But then like, yeah. you know, you would shift over to the other crew and it'd be all like, 9-11 yeah 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 i think that a jackbox game is in all of our future together uh, because yeah. it sounds like we can all uh, get down with each other's sense of humor <laughs> maybe we, you know maybe we should talk about how we all oh, know yeah. each other i guess speaking of fucked up movies <laughs> speaking of five dollar movies yeah yeah spectacle theater that's how we all <laughs> well, I actually might know you, Spencer, from 285 Ken. Yes. Yes. I mean, both. I mean, they were a block away from each other. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was, it was funny because my last email uh, I sent you, John, was like us talking about like getting you into the the farewell 285 Kent shows. And I was just like, oh, I'm really overwhelmed. Really? But like, if you come at this time and text me, <laughs> like, I'll let you in. Were you like, you were like searching your email and you were like, oh shit. Like, Cause I was trying to find your email to email yeah, you yeah. something in regards to like reconnecting. And then totally. I was like, oh, this is the last time I emailed oh, you. Oh my God. About I would love to read that. I'm trying to remember. Well, yeah. Which show were you trying to go to? Show. I think the last time, one of the last times I remember being there, I think like Wolf Eyes was playing. You know, yeah, Detroiters too. Hey, yeah, yeah. You remember that absolutely. It was it was the uh, the lineup with Crazy Jim. (gasps) Crazy Jim, I he is like a huge like he's in my 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 scene in Detroit for sure. So I he I see him like often. Oh, chill. Yeah. Yeah. South Williamsburg, <laughs> circa two eighty five. Two eighty five. Kent. I mean, I was born. I was born and raised there. That place like invented me. It's it's wild because you know before two eighty five, it was Paris, London, West Nile. Yeah, yeah. And it's just I don't know. It's just now it's vice when all that is I it. Know. Yeah, it's vice. Yeah, now. yeah. Famously, that was like what why two eighty five had to close right because yeah. Vice bought the building and that's where their offices oh, wow. are. Oh now. yeah. And I've been and, inside the building since then. It's unrecognizable. It's just like fully, you know, completely reconstructed inside that wow. little block. Yeah. yeah. When that was cleared out for 285, I was like, what the fuck? This place is fucking huge. I don't know if I ever even went back into the uh, the artist studios, you know, that extended, you know, from the, the hallways where everyone would pee when the line was. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> not speaking from personal experience or anything you know uh (laughs) i that was before my time i think i started well i first was bartending at monster island oh shit and then i uh was you know when monster island was kind of fading away uh 285 Kent's where I I went instead and I was also doing Shea Stadium of course and just like the whole circuit of you know all the DIY spaces that were buddies with each other um I have no idea how I served drinks for 12 hours straight and would get paid like maybe 80 bucks for that like (laughs) but I was getting paid an experience an exposure (laughs) to culture (laughs) so you know that, that's how we that's how we know each other and then i started going to spectacle 
organically, I, I remember being a freshman in college. I went to Fordham Lincoln Center. I would do self-imposed movie marath- marathons where I'd be like, I'm going to watch a documentary every day this week. And then I was like, oh, wait, I'm in New York City. I should just actually go see cinema. And of course, Spectacle Theater comes up. I think one of the first things I saw was like The Shining played forwards and backwards. Oh, yeah, yeah. Totally. Um, my memory of the first time I went into Spectacle was being so stoned that I couldn't find the front door. Wait, and wait, then what, what? From spectacle. the outside or yeah, from the inside? From the outside. Okay. I couldn't find the front door, yeah. but then when I found it, I couldn't open the door because I was like pushing and it was yeah. a pull or like the other way around. And it might have even been but- you. <laughs> that popped out and you were like, hey, are you trying to get in? I was just like, whoa, <laughs> yeah, I am. Because yeah. I would always smoke a huge joint in that park that's like right, right. adjacent to it. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. then I would like, me, that, would, that became my routine. I mean, some of my best high memories happened uh, <laughs> I remember once, I remember once um, someone described you as um, laughing at a movie like Robert De Niro in Cape Fear. They were, they were oh, like, how, how's that? No, just like you were, have you seen Cape Fear? You know, the if scene I have, where, I don't, I don't remember. There's just, there's a scene where, um, you know, Robert De Niro's like stalking this family and he goes and sits behind them in a movie and just laughs like, ah, like so exaggeratedly the whole time to like creep them out. Oh my God. And, what a compliment. Um, Thank you. Whoever no, said yeah, that. Yeah, totally. Um, but yeah, I think you were just like really, um, really feeling whatever (laughs) was screening at that particular moment. I think I still am that way. And I definitely notice my family being just as loud as I am. And I, and I get it. I'm like, wow, you guys are loud. I'm loud too. Um, I think there was, Oh, what were we watching? We were watching the devils, I believe Mm -hmm. when we were hot boxing it. I don't know Mm -hmm. if you were there. But uh, uh, maybe I mean, yeah. used to be oh, able shit. to like, yeah, like hot box spectacle or smoke cigarettes. Or <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> spectacle used to be cool. No, I'm just kidding, it's still cool. <laughs> or or more, I don't know. It would depend who'd be there, I guess, or who yeah, was in yeah. charge that night. <laughs> um, right. But yeah, I volunteered um, not super often, but you know, maybe like once a week, perhaps for a little while. That's kind of mm-hmm. pretty often. I mean, you're talking about working the booth. I would never be working the booth because I think I was not tech technologically savvy enough, but I'd be like taking the money at the door. And if there was pizza or beer, I'd be given that out. I think I was just yeah. trying to hang, you know what I mean? Got it. And yeah. supporting you or whoever would be literally pushing play on whatever, yeah. you know, but space bar. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, I just loved being there. I think there was even a moment where I almost rented out that back room to live in. Oh yeah. 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 I think it stopped because the fire department busted in. I was about to mention the fire And it was during a screening that I was doing. It was one of the very few, uh, at that time, like matinee, it was like a 3 PM on a Sunday. I think like a gas main, like burst next door or something like that. I don't know. So like, but it was funny because we were showing this movie, uh, Taking Tiger Mountain, which had been, I, I think it's fair to say, sort of lost or like very extremely overlooked. And I had found it and reached out to the filmmaker, um, who, who actually, this is a side note, I found it just passed away very sadly. But so he came out, um, he was from Texas, and we screened it, and we were like, this lost movie, it's like the only 
movie with a script by William Burroughs and it's like uh, Bill Paxton's first movie and he wow. does hardcore in it and like built it up and then like all these firemen just like burst into the screening like literally within moments of it starting and so it really added to the the ambiance and the atmosphere but what really stood out to me was when they burst in they were like oh it's a movie house and I was like Thank you for acknowledging that <laughs> fire department. <laughs> I was like, I the rest of, yeah, the New York film scene at the time doesn't want to admit it. But yeah, that was the moment where I was like, oh shit, like, I don't think we can have people in the back. <laughs> and then it was like, oh, let's figure out how to get up to code and blah, blah, blah. And I don't know. Yeah. When John, you came in, yeah. um, that's around when, you know, it was decided to uh, basically clear movies. Right. That you yeah, were yeah, show. Yeah. What I thought was really interesting about that is it became a programming, um, what's the word? Not like guideline, but um, like a creative restriction, you know, that mm. kind of pushes you. Oh, yeah, you. yeah, like, yeah, yeah. What is the word? Okay, right. like, you know, we can't show, obviously, studio films or even, you know, at the time we thought like Janice Films was like the <laughs> big, you know, whatever. Um, but then it's like, so that, forces us to push ourselves in terms of what we're learning and thinking about and discovering and want to screen. I have complicated feelings on um, screening rights. And I think you make bring up a great point. It kind of also does push you to find the movies where it's like some real lost shit or someone who would be delighted to know that their stuff is being played for an audience. Right. Um, Cause like I have an only fans and my content is constantly being leaked yeah, uh, yeah. So it's like I'm on that side of it where I'm like, I know how shitty it feels to have your stuff stolen yeah, that right. is like yeah. paid content. I think it's also like the intended use of it. Like, is this something that you're profiting off of or not? And I think if you're not profiting, it like really does change a lot of things. Um, mm-hmm. well, infinite variables there, though. Yeah. yeah. And I think, too, I mean, there, I think there is also an ethics of like, like you were saying, people would be happy to know that you were showing their stuff. And, yeah. and I think it's really unfortunate when. You have such an extreme, like, fuck the man, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And obviously at this point now, people think Screen Slate's the, the man. <laughs> <laughs> the gatekeeper. I mean, I, 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 I found like... Listings. I mean, that, that's one thing that you learn pretty quickly within like various DIY venues and scenes that people who sort of preach this, you know, fuck rights, you know, we get to do what we want. Yeah. Like most of the time, this is absolutely self-serving. And it's, it's like they, they, they sure. give no shit about actually building or creating community. Mm-hmm. Right. It's, it's like, like clout. And it's also, I mean, in a way it can be kind of lazy. It's like rather than taking the time to track down someone's email and then write them a sincere message and just be oh, like, totally. Here's, yeah, the thing, the vibe. And like the result is like, you know, a lot of people became and have relationships with like these artists that oh, they're sure. into, yeah, you know? Yeah. Those can be really meaningful relationships and long lasting and... You're making me think, because I, I fully agree. And I think I more mean like the the things that are directly uploaded to YouTube. You know what I mean? Where it's like oh, nobody's, yeah, yeah. It, that's For the kind sure. of stuff I'm thinking about. Um, but yeah, especially with like World's Fair and getting to do a Q&A with the director, it was just like... 
kind of opened up this possibility where like now I'm reaching out to other directors and befriending yeah. like Baskin by Can Evernall. I oh, think his yeah, name yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our friend ch- uh, Aaron Chimberg frequently <laughs> shouted out on the pod knows him. Yeah. I'm trying to get him next. I've been uh He seems like a dude who would do it. Oh know? yeah, definitely. Uh and I've been like incessantly, I mean, this is so ridiculous and I can't say I'm a, like, well, I'll, I'll just like back up and say, I've been emailing Tom Six for a long time. <laughs> oh, no shit. Oh, yeah. yeah. Cause I want Onania club so badly. I yeah. know. I know that that is a highly desired yeah. uh, work amongst yes. people I know. I know. I keep being like, <laughs> listen, I'm a worthy like setting. Like I care about like the, the, yeah. the censorship aspect. I care about like f- with female sexuality, even when it's fucked up being expressed in movies. And like, I have no idea what's actually in the movie. Yeah. But, and you know, obviously human centipede is just like a joke in and of itself. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to like the effed up movie genre, it's the one that you just point to and everyone's like, yeah, I heard of that one. I don't want to see that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there is something really special when it comes to like, uh, I, I mean, free speech is such a tricky realm, uh, because it's the same thing that allows me to express myself sexually and whatever that also gives people protesting outside of a Planned Parenthood their, their right to do that, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's very, I love thinking about free speech when it comes to cinema, because even if I don't agree with it or what's being depicted, um, I think that's just something that I take for granted being an American and not realizing how even in Canada, you know, right across the border from me, I live in Detroit. It's like very different what you can and can't do. Experience shows that all it changes is how much is under the counter because that shit is still going to be around. Like even if publicly, you know, things are incredibly quote unquote conservative, it's like there's still going to be the human centipede. You know, there's right. still going to be human centipede. There's going to be the DVD like under the counter, you know. And, <laughs> and human centipede is really like not all that wild compared to a lot of other things out human there. Human centipede too. A human centipede <laughs> too is definitely has a spot in my top five most fucked up movies. Really, that I've actually really? never seen any of them. Oh, yeah. you haven't seen the any? second one is like took multiple sessions for me to get through. Whereas the first ones kind of feels a little bit more like a, a romp. (laughs) (laughs) Found it a little hard to swallow. It's making me think about the movies that are and aren't good to show in a digital platform with a, ch- a chat because if it's like a really good movie and it's really cinematic we don't have shit to say to each other because we're just watching it yeah, it's yeah. like almost like the shitty movies that we have the most fun talking about because like even when we we're watching world's fair we were like people were like i have to go back and rewatch this i'm like missing so much good stuff because the chat's distracting me yeah. right, right, um, right 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 totally. yeah. so finding the like oh god what's a good example um we like this movie, which I've mentioned to you, John, Rest Stop, which... Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> which I still haven't seen, but... Well, it's um, really bad. It. Is it like Wrong Turn and kind Dead of. End? Uh, so Rest Stop is one of like five movies that the Warner Brothers subsidiary Raw Feed made in 2006. It, <laughs> Raw feed. It's called Raw Feed. Um, Rest Stop is by far the most watchable of them all. It's I've seen them all now, and only two of them are really watchable, but... 
Um, it all takes place at a rest stop surprise and the a- everything from the acting to the dialogue, just the logic of the entire movie is so bad that it's, you know, it's like become a cult classic within our own discord of like, yeah. oh, time to watch rest stop again. I've seen it like four times in the last yeah, yeah. year. Um, and it's so bad and it's so unwatchable in many ways, although it's, it still has like something to carry you through a little bit, but that's the type of a movie that really thrives on our discord. Cause we can, you know, just anticipate the joke quotes of the entire movie. And oh, it's totally. just a very wow. communal, Beautiful. it's like watching the room or something for us. I feel like spectacle. We had our own <laughs> internal cult classics. And I think sometimes there was, there was a thing where like people maybe didn't realize that certain movies were only cult classics within mm spectacle like, like this is one black past do you oh, remember black that past. by Ol- i mean the olaf inbach has fans outside of spectacle but like i remember a lot of us went crazy for that it's like um i forget yeah. where he's from like belgium no, no he's german i thought oh and, and uh, it was just yeah, sort of olaf. like like a, uh, a one man sort of new wave of german gore movie oh, yeah cool. it would be like if a dude who was like seriously brain damaged and had seen evil dead 2 a million <laughs> times and had like a vhs camcorder just you want, wanted to see some it. dicks chopped up yeah but oh, like yeah. very like sam raimi kind of energy but with like no money um and yeah tons great and tons formula of i hope i got that right german maybe Olaf Intenbach sounds German. Also, you know, our podcast <laughs> is sponsored yeah, by the true. German yeah. Film Office. So yeah, we're, we're so we excited our, about. We got our shout out to German cinema. <laughs> yeah, so no, is yeah, Thomas Hicks right. German, or is he? He is. Belt. Dutch? Yeah, I wanted I wanted about, to say Dutch, but yeah, I could be wrong. Well, we shouted out Necromantic. Is that yes. German? That's yeah, yeah, Jorg. 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 Yeah. Bougeret. Is it Bougeret? But yeah, it's like yeah, it starts with butt is all I know. It's like buttered, buttered Buddha, Buddha guy. Buddha, Buddha, Buddha judge. Well, um, <laughs> wow, let's we just stop yeah, while we're at it. Exactly. We should start a rumor that like Pete Buddha judge is um, related <laughs> to the necromantic guy. <laughs> you know, Mayor Pete's actually uh, pretty cool. Um, <laughs> oh well, I mean, speaking of necromantic, I think the reason I initially watched it and I watched it by myself for the first time and it just wasn't the same as watching it with like other people where I could yeah. be like oh, okay all right uh <laughs> yeah there's some movies where you're watching them alone is a real slog yeah, you're but, trying yeah, to like yeah. elbow air next to you yeah, like, like yeah. oh look at that it's crazy um I think I watched that because I fell in love with the book House of Psychotic Women oh, by yeah, Kierla yeah. Janice, and I see Woodlands and Dark Days over there on oh, your yeah, shelf. Yeah. Um, so I'm a huge fan of hers. And for those who don't know the book, it's, you know, just talking about uh, women, mental health and psychology in horror movies but it's like a autobiography where she draws these connections between her personal life and the movies that shaped her adolescence so for years I've been trying to watch every single movie in the book which is a lot of movies but necromantic was one that I was like I gotta watch this one like (laughs) ASAP Um, because I definitely like watching movies that push my boundaries and these days (laughs) I mean as someone, I I grew up in like a in Quaker school, so it's in many ways the direct opposite. Oh, you're we've only had eight episodes, but you're the second uh, Quaker school. Yeah, uh, Dash Shaw, the yeah. animator. Oh, yeah. 
I'm not right. Quaker. Um, uh, okay. I'm Jewish, but uh, <laughs> uh, Quaker school. Yeah, uh, yeah. no, it, it definitely shapes your childhood in the sense of like very nonviolent, uh, all that stuff. Like I feel like activism was like very infused into to school and like anti-war stuff or whatever. So yeah. the fact that I am now so obsessed with like the most heinous film I can get my hands on that's also like illegal obviously you know like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I always have to say that in the early days of the discord I was like I don't need anybody mistaking this for like people actually trying to watch like, like snuff films exactly or, yeah, yeah and for know. me it was like the internet where I stumbled upon so many things where I, I'll never forget the first time stumbling upon a video that like ruined my day and oh, and this. knowing the difference for me personally watching something that I know is movie magic, it's fucking fiction versus right. some watching something where it just like profoundly makes me feel like I this isn't there's nothing fun about this. Um yeah. and I think that there's a really fine line where there are so many movies that are like mainstream released were very unethically created. Yeah. Uh I mean you could argue on like the tamer side, maybe like The Shining with Shelley Duvall, you know, but then like yeah. um a movie that I really regret ever watching, for instance, was like Sweet Movie. Um, oh, yeah. 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 And that's one that's like Criterion re-released that. Yeah. So I was what not expecting. Yeah. And you know, like that's got, you know, arguably child abuse depicted in it. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, not argu- whatever. But I really felt fucked up after watching that one in like not a good way in like a, no, I definitely crossed my own personal line, uh. but also like, being interested in this genre that's an inherent risk like i know i'm signing up for seeing some stuff that's gonna fuck me up but for me it's so different than watching a movie where i know it's like this is a fucking movie but obviously i do care about like not watching literal abuse happen on screen uh but when you're interested in the genre obviously you're watching some stuff where people don't know was this real or not um but I, I don't know. I think that was just a really interesting one where everyone was like, oh, you're going to love Sweet Movie. I was like, who the fuck recommended this to me? Like, <laughs> I'm going to need you to take it. Uh, like, I'm going to ask Dinos you to take a seat, sir. Like, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like, I also, for anyone not knowing me, I like had childhood abuse in a point where when I'm watching these movies, it's very like, Uh, cathartic like healing like I'm trying to kind of objectively think about these really fucked up real world things through fiction yeah so not to like take us off off into the deep end but like that's that's a huge part of it for me is just like Oh God, I don't know. I've, t- I've taken us into the deep end now, but <laughs> <laughs> it's been so interesting how stuff that very directly relates to upsetting things that have m- happened in my life are, for instance, things that I think are very important to have media talking about, mm-hmm. but other people are like, no, this shouldn't exist. And I'm like, well, you know, as somebody who is impacted by these issues, I'm happy this exists for me to reflect on as a person who suffered from right. this particular thing. And, ha- and having the choice to be able to engage with it if you want to, yeah. rather than just like, you know, try to, trying to like blanket censorship or making those yeah. decisions for other people. Yeah. 
I mean, yeah. I have a hard line. I'm not going to watch a bestiality movie. I'm not going to watch snuff, obviously. And that's why, I, it, you know, what this is making me think of is how my own views on this are also so contradictory because I will never forget seeing Nymphomaniac uh, part one and reading the reviews that were just like, it's fucked up to portray young girls just, you know, trying to solicit sex on a subway because in reality, young girls on a subway are trying to fucking go home and we don't need people out there thinking that every young girl on the subway is is now, you know, and it's like, okay, you know, it's also Lars von Trier. That's its own <laughs> separate can of worms. But I remember thinking like, yeah, like this is wrong. They shouldn't be depicting this. But at, at the same time, when you're saying like, oh, you can't depict these things at all, it, it's just such a slippery slope of like... Right, even if you find the most obnoxious person yeah. in the fucking world to depict it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Totally. I, I, I just wanted to say one thing I want to say earlier was that I think that Necromantic 2 is the masterpiece. I haven't seen it yet. Mm. Oh. All right. Okay, 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 okay. Oh, we're back. Okay. <laughs> All right. Game face. All right. No, um, <laughs> so caffeinated no, right yeah. now. I know, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> We're talking about sensitive subjects and it's one o'clock. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, well, yeah. Where do we want to take this uh, like, train now? <laughs> choo choo. So, in one of our earlier train stations, um, <laughs> we were, so oh, earlier rest stop, one of our rest one stop. an earlier yeah. rest stop that we made. Please, please just indulge me for one more second. Uh, call back, which which is rest stop cosplay videos. What? Rest stop cosplay videos? Yeah, I'm like proposing that. Oh, you know. I was playing the film Rest Stop. I don't want to give away any spoilers, but it was like, there's like a a cop that won't die um, at all. And he's like, oh God, I I can't even. There's like a a, a headshot. I'm going to, I'm going to spoil the movie. I'm going to spoil the movie (laughs) entirely. There's so many, so many costumes you could get out of that movie. There's actually Rest Stop 2, Don't Look Back, where there's like a really good like porta potty scene. Whoa. Um yeah, we like potty humor, as I said. Whoa. Don't Is sleep. It the Don't same, sleep. Uh same auteur who did Rest Stop 2. Um I think it's still raw feed, but I think somebody different directed it. Uh, So it's, it's significantly not as good. But in this case, maybe it's not about the director as auteur. It's about the raw feed label (laughs) as auteur. The the raw feed universe. (laughs) Raw feed. Phase two. Yeah. The raw feed universe. I do plan on, I'm already like talking with one of my mods on uh, our discord where we're like already starting to get all the info of all the guys who worked on raw feed yeah, yeah, and we're like already like, starting to track them down because we want to interview like them like out in the cabin in the woods right. being like how'd you find me well you know <laughs> yeah. what's wild is like one of them i mean i'm just talking about all my favorite movies now but one of them also directed the original cube movie and and cube 1999 is like one of my favorite movies of all time. Well, I haven't seen that one. What? Cube 1999. I mean, it's called cube, but there's also a million remakes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I definitely saw like the original cube. Okay. I see. I see. I I thought there was a sequel called cube. The one with the hypercube. And then there's also cube zero. Um, I forget the subtitle on that one, but that's like a prequel to Boom. to Cube, wow. and it's it's terrible yeah. and unwatchable. Yeah, shout out to the Cubaverse. The Cubaverse the cube. is Cubaverse. Yeah, it's one of my favorite movies. It's, it, it's Cuban beer times. It holds the test of time. Yeah, 
CBT, Cuban beer time. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so... No, so this is kind of a left turn, but okay. um, so something earlier we were talking about like uh, DIY culture in Brooklyn in a certain moment. <sighs> Maybe we could talk about leaving New York and like Ooh. founding Spectrum and yeah. kind of how that um, sure. journey heading to Detroit. Fuck yeah. Not to, not to spoil your No, I love talking about this. <laughs> uh, there's, you know, obviously a longer version and a shorter version. And basically, I was just really feeling overwhelmed by living in a big city, wanted to move to what I would then have called a secondary city, where it's like still <laughs> yeah. a city, but it's not, you know, Chicago, L.A., whatever. Um, I had some mutual friends in Detroit. I rented a art studio for two months to make the collage art I was making at the time. Yeah, Maybe yeah. you'll remember that. I've, I have um, a Zoe original. Really? Yeah. You got to show me later. Yeah. I don't yeah. even know where my, all my art ended up because yeah. it's certainly I don't have it anymore. Well, it, was at, it was at Spectacle for a long time. <laughs> and then someone told me like, oh yeah, Zoe brought that and said it was for you. And I was like, no one told me. Okay, sweet. That. I know which one it is then. Yeah. That's a good one. <laughs> um, so, and then when I was in Detroit... My dad randomly passed away and I was very, I was 23, so I was very much still dependent on him, uh, both emotionally and, you know, honestly, financially. And uh, I was, I was working my ass off, but really, you know, I was working at 285 Kent and not, you know, I, I was working at another sex toy store, but I was, you know, getting paid hourly. I was really not independent at all. And I feel like um, the passing of my dad really just completely changed who I am as a person in many ways. So it is very much like before and after. I feel like I it was a completely different person. Um, but it was a very sudden, unexpected thing. I got some money when he died, which I, is such a weird thing to talk about. But I like to be honest about, especially in sexuality businesses, how fucking hard it is to get funding and how, you know, if I hadn't had this very unfortunate event happen, I would have not ever been a fucking CEO of my own business mm-hmm. um, because just even. Yeah. So anyway, or I would have, you know, had my own business, but had somebody else to answer to somebody else I had to like do things a certain way for. So um, my my goal was really to just kind of like make that help me survive the rest of my life with, with that and create my own um, job for the rest of my life. Um, So I got a house in Detroit, started this business and uh, it was, you know, really just me shipping stuff out of a apartment for a long time. And then I slowly started hiring people. Now I, sell sex toys on a, it's, it's what I do. I, I mean, wow. I'm, the caffeine's just surging through my veins, but, <laughs> but I, I think an important rest stop in that story is that I, <laughs> I uh, was writing for refinery 29 at the time, actually. And when I was working at a, a brick and mortar sex toy store in New York, I was having such intense interactions with the general public and sex that I started having all these things I wanted to write about, so I just started writing literal Tumblr posts about why people don't want to use lube or whatever. And next thing I know, I'm writing for Refinery29, Daily Mail's picking it up. I'm exploiting my own life story and my own trauma, telling my own personal story to make it some teachable moment. And uh, it got me the audience that then allowed me to even have a, a store. Um, I like to attribute a lot of my 
success to the article I wrote called I've slept with 99 men and I'm looking for number 100, which was, <laughs> Oh yeah. I think I remember that one. It was kind of like a joke at the time, but, uh, that was what I think was the first time I ever had a, a viral moment where someone was like, Hey, like you're in the newspaper in Argentina or something, you know? <laughs> Whoa. Um, and, and it was really, I think that's how I figured out this formula of like, I can say funny and shocking things to hopefully teach people something. Like at the end of the day, I was trying to be like, Hey, it doesn't matter how many people you fucked. Like I don't, it really doesn't matter. Um, as long as you feel good about it and other people do too. Um, (laughs) so, so I think I just tried to develop that into a, a career and I would say I, I, I kind of have, and I certainly, uh, you know, have, have a business that is, especially in this economy, you know, it's chugging right along. And I, and I have people, it's my, my, my child, I love it so much, but I, you know, I do plenty of other things. Like I said, only fans, I do like a lot of consulting for other businesses. Um, I really just like working with other people in my industry and kind of collaging together everyone's knowledge and expertise to kind of create what I hope to be a, a, a e-commerce store that funds free education, essentially. Mm-hmm. Wow. So yeah. like, like that's sort of the, uh, what's your medusal? Yeah. The, the spoonful of sugar. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Like what, what was the, uh, sort of, um, I don't know, not to put it in overly business terms, but sure. like the opening or the market that you saw when you started Spectrum, like what was the sure. need, I guess, that you felt needed um, to be fulfilled? At the time, there, even the like progressive feminist shops were still kind of like, <sighs> there was a lot of things I liked, but I was like, if I ran this, there are so many things I would change because I worked at a shop that was like very progressive and yet the website would still have toys for men, toys for women, Mm -hmm. Um, all that type of stuff. And there was already an awareness around body safe material and, um, carrying products that are like body safe. Um, and that's a lot more of like a standard these days, although there's certainly still toxic sex toys that exist out in the world. Um, but I think I was just like, let me do my own take on this. And there's also really, I, I felt nobody who was using like Instagram and, and social media as a really strong medium for reaching people. Um, and at the time I could literally post a photo of a vibrator next to my face and people would be like, what the fuck? Um, (laughs) now that's like, (laughs) you're probably wondering how I ended up here. Uh, no, but at the time that was shocking content. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I tried to kind of just use my own sense of humor and, at the, I mean, I discovered my own sexuality through sex toys. And again, you know, like my own sexual trauma is a big part of why it was so important to me to have sex toys be a thing. And I don't think I had like the language for this back then, but it's like, I, just because I, I'm a sex educator, like I have a pretty weird sex life in the sense that like, I don't know how, I don't have a perfect sex life. I don't perfectly know my body. I've got a lot of issues and hangups with it. And so when I talk about sex toys and, you know, we sell lubes and condoms and things that are you know arguably more you know health related than pleasure related although they're all health related to me but um I don't know I think I was it's like my way of being like I remember 
being so uncomfortable with all these things not so long ago. So mm. maybe someone like me can make people feel more comfortable with these things rather than some person just being like, you need to buy this vibrator. Um, being able to like relate to the discomfort around sex toys with a partner or like even bringing up the subject of lube. I, I felt like I was trying to just more be like, Hey, I get all of these weird feelings. And so like, I, I, I think about it more as peer education in the sense that I'm, still learning as I go. Do you think uh, like, like people view like lube, for example, like if you need to use lube, you have a deficiency. Do you think that like people look at sex toys and sex aids as like crutches? Some, in some ways? Yeah, definitely. Some people do. I mean, I'll even remember uh, like, there was a shop I used to go to all the time just down the street from here. And when I started selling sex toys, the the person who I was talking to was just like, yeah, me and my wife, we don't, we don't, we just like natural. And I was like, okay, I wasn't asking. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're being real weird now. Yeah. Um, but I was like, I'm just talking about my new job here, buddy. Yeah, um, that doesn't feel very sex positive. <laughs> um, but, but still to this day, I mean, I think that they are tools like anything else. You know, we drink a beverage through a straw. We eat food with a fork. We can also eat food with our hands if we want to, or by some other means or a chops chopsticks, whatever. Uh, it's like the vehicle to do the thing that you can also do a different way. But for some of us, it makes the act either more easy and accessible or just possible at all. Um, mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that it, it has helped me connect with my body in a way where like I'm still very, uh, I've got a lot of stuff I still work through and like my body is a very scary thing to me, which is also why like I love horror and body horror and yeah, fucked up word. movies. But um, yeah, it's just like a means of interaction and feeling more comfortable with this thing that's pretty still fr freaky to me. Um, and I like helping other people and talking to other people about their own hangups or celebrations of their bodies, you know? Well, yeah. I mean, you know, like in some ways, like, you know, body horror, yeah. certain things like, you know, you could consider it a celebration as well. You know, what was it? There was like this Genesis Purge quote about how like the, the body is just a cheap suitcase or something like that. <laughs> yeah. I think the body, I mean, there's so many aspects of body horror whether it's like pregnancy horror oh, or God. you know rape and revenge or all this shit it's it's really you know a, 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 as the book title the body keeps the score says you know i i i, I really try to access <laughs> the, the subconscious things in my body that have imprinted in me throughout my lifetime um, and sex, whether it's sex toys or watching a film that's addressing something relating to it, it, it's all helping me kind of like tease out those ends of my own understanding of it and feel more just like at peace with it all. Mm, yeah, um, yeah. that was very wordy and obviously, you know, it's, it's the more sensitive stuff that I, yeah. I, I used to talk about really openly and if anything kind of like stopped talking about, cause I felt like I would be too vulnerable in talking about my own personal shit. But I ultimately, I think there is obviously such a thing as oversharing, but I think that if we were all a little bit more comfortable um, thinking about these things and talking about them, you know, with the appropriate company, uh, that we would all be a little bit more at peace with ourselves and um, 
you know, I think the whole world could stand to benefit from, um, sexual understanding not to be all woo woo or like, you know, Quaker school about it. But, uh, I think that it's my, my direction of approaching how I can hopefully make people happier in this world. Mm. Um, and hopefully help be one part of a larger group of people who are, are trying to revolutionize the way we relate to sex. Um, Mm. but yeah, I mean, I, there's so many people who were doing shit long before me and I love to think about how like porn would send you to jail in the seventies. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and even if it's you know, like asshole douchebags who I don't ideologically agree with, like they did pave the way for me to do what I do. And you know, mm-hmm. also some really cool people too, but you know, like the, um, Oh, what, why am I, Larry, the Larry Flint's of the world, et cetera, who, yeah. who paved the way for us to be expressing ourselves. I mean, I guess that is really where all this stuff comes together, doesn't it? Mm, yeah. <laughs> the Larry Flint's versus the Annie Sprinkles. Or something like yeah, that. yeah. 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 You know? Um, yeah. The, the, yeah. That, that's real. When you were talking earlier, it popped into my head that like, you know, this whole like, 99 people looking for the hundredth just made me think of human centipede two. Oh yeah. Well, no, that would be actually human centipede three where they finally get to a uh, hundred people. Oh, it's three Ooh. where they get to a hundred people. Three okay. is unwatchable. Don't watch number three. Right. Can't recommend it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would like to suggest uh, Tom six, if you're listening that we do um, everyone in the world connected. And then like all aliens from other planets are sewn to like human anuses right, right. and just like the whole, that's how we like achieve world peace. And like unity is just like everyone mouth to anus sewn together that's i think whoa. really wow. whoa wow. peed across america peed across the like world one, one of every single species like a noah's ark yeah a noah's uh, ark of- yeah yeah <laughs> Col- like colon to large yeah. colonization oh god colonization. so good yeah. that's so yeah. good Col- colonize <laughs> Uh, connection that you know i'm noting as well is that you know with this you know uh, uh, uh the the movie discord again it's like ultimately it's like a positive thing like you said like you know it's brought people together you know it's provided people with like you know the companionship and you know the ability to sort of share and express you were wondering if you were ever going to be able to like sit down and talk with someone about you know yeah. Uh, do do man. Do do man. Pee pee poo poo man. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I think you're what the you're. Ca- t- the caca squad. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I just it's you know these deep intellectual conversations really stimulate me. So, uh, I I think what you're kind of getting at too is like how we find healthy ways to release our our negative emotion. Mm. Um, and there's such a difference between, you know, uh, like the age old, like, Oh, violent video games are making the youth more angry or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and like as a Midwesterner now and a more these days outspoken juggalo, I like like to talk about, uh, how Zoe's drinking a giant, uh, two liter of Fago right now. I wish it's too expensive in the city. Um, (laughs) Verners. No, but it's like that on, on paper, ICP is something so diametrically opposite to me. Obviously there's like, 
so many things you could point to and be like, man, this is really fucked up. And, and I think in the same sense that, you know, wrestling is all a performance. I think that's where I've connected to ICP and just being like, this is all a joke. I mean, it's all a performance and a caricature of the ways people behave. And it is one way that we, uh, kind of like get all the anger out of our system and, uh, I mean, I'm not trying to wax poetic about ICP, but I think it's something that I've also really tried to get into people in the discord into also, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll play a lot of juggalo movies just because they're like, so like the well, ones, there's something earnest about them. Like the, the yeah. relatively low production. Yeah. Value and, yeah. Someone, someone said it was, it's so unawake. It's woke or something like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. like it's like, it's, just uh, it's terrible. Real. It's terrible. Yeah. You know, it's real uh, people cinema. I like, not, I like the yeah. term like, both towards music and movies as well, like real people. Movies. For sure. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't, I kind of don't like the otheringness of like outsider, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah, and I we think don't, we don't want to other the <laughs> insane clown. No, no yeah. I mean, I, I think. No, but I, I agree. Yeah. I was ironically like, oh, haha, ICP for a very long time until I was like, wait a minute. Yeah. And it was maybe like three or four years ago when I was like, no, this actually really speaks to me. No, and I'm really like, embarrassed to well, say I mean, this. Yeah, you're like I've, looking at the juggalo makeup and you're like, maybe I'm looking into a mirror, you know. I mean, I've heard about the community that is like totally actually open. <laughs> but there's also shitty racist asshole jugglers like, too. I, I thought they like, treated sure. Tila Tequila like at Oh, definitely. The I mean, she also, Tila Tequila is her own thing. I mean, if you want to talk about some effed up shit, <laughs> it's just like the whole story of, Tila. you know yeah. what's going on with her these days? No, Tornado yeah. Theon, the wife of Christ. Wait, what? Oh, look her up these whoa, days. Whoa, 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 She's um, very religious and really? married Damn. to Christ and, um, but it's also like, like the real guy. You never know. You should go <laughs> hear from right. her firsthand. She's definitely hitting up Tila Tequila's Wikipedia after this. I mean, I find I find Tila very interesting on many levels because I also love the uh, VH1 dating shows that, yeah, of oh, that yeah, era. Yeah, yeah. And she, quote unquote, had the first bisexual dating show of Tila Tequila's right. Shot at Love, where yeah, yeah. Uh, oh. both men and women competed to win her. You know, it's yeah. like I'd say this all with a lot of you know sarcasm sure, yeah, or yeah. whatever. Um, but she did have a, a head injury um, following that. And then has also done and said a lot of fucked up controversial things. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I don't know her. I don't I don't know w what's going on. And I think like I'll let I'll let her work speak for itself when you go do your research. But I think she's a very when we especially talk about how social media impacts a person. I mean, she was like MySpace famous and right. And, yeah, and yeah. I, I don't know. That's a, but whew. I guess, well, I mean also, but to, to kind of connect like social media and also return somewhat to the insane clown posse. <laughs> no, she, yes, um, she did perform at the gathering. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> no, I mean, I, th I think what you've been able to do is, is really phenomenal in part because of your background as an artist and your familiarity with media and how to work within like a social media environment and it's had a really um incredible impact <laughs> i don't know but the way that you do bring this element of performance and in, in into like what you do um where you're not simply just like a businesswoman but also um the term is girl boss john no, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. uh girl bossing the the sex toy market but um Help. yeah but at, at, like the way that your social media persona has 
become a tool for like education and awareness. Thank you so much. I'm really hoping it can hop off of the internet in more ways than it has historically as well. And, you know, even if it's still on the internet, I think like these are all things of pleasure and enjoyment at consuming media and movies, sex, it, it, you know, while there's a dark side to all of it, it's also just like ultimately, you know, we want to be focusing on the pleasure aspects of it too. And uh, obviously we're so limited in what we're able to do in this world, given that it's all, you cannot escape capitalism. It really unfortunately is like, yeah, at the end of the day, I am selling products and I am not running a nonprofit and I do have to make money. And like, that doesn't feel good. So I try to make there be like an educational output to it. And I'm running this discord that does not make me a cent. If anything, I spend my money on it. And, uh, really trying to rethink how happiness and success are so unfortunately defined by financial success and what is financially viable and sex being something that is so unfinancially viable yet is infused into every aspect of, of life. Like, uh, you know, you can't work with your typical bank. You can't work with banks. You can't work with payment processors with sex. It's just very, there's a lot of red tape around it and yet it's everywhere. Um, well, like, I mean, there's the saying obviously like sex sells, but, it sells in a certain, um, if it's framed in a certain way that, you know, functions within capitalism, like if it, um, is framed in a way that again, like, you know, payment processors don't want to work with or banks don't want to work with, then like sex can't sell. So it's like sex sells on the, I don't know what I'm talking about. If you're trying to sell cigarettes, you could use sex to sell cigarettes. You can't use sex to sell sex is like the, yeah. yeah, I don't even know whose quote this is, but sex sells everything except sex because that's a good quote. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I don't know. I'm like banned from using PayPal. I can't use PayPal because what? Yeah, Look. every time I make a new account, it gets shut down, and that's just like such a small example compared to like the financial discrimination other people deal with. But you yeah. know, just on a very small level, um, yeah, you can't get loans. As I was saying earlier, it's it's very stigmatizing work, and I think we're in a society where that's changing. But um, yeah, I think especially in this day and age where we're talking about sexual freedom and expression and especially with porn, how it's like, you know, people are afraid that that is something that negatively affects our society because it's within this framework of patriarchy and like depicts a lot of abuse. But then again, there's people who find that depiction of, uh, you know, BDSM very healing. And it's like, I I think that's where I was also trying to go earlier and talking about like fucked up movies where it's like, we're not celebrating the, the pain and hurt that comes out of this, but we are celebrating the fact that we can communally uh, like heal together around our relation around these things and find a catharsis in, in, in doing these things communally instead of together. Just like watching necromantic alone is not as fun with a fr- <laughs> without a friend. That's true. <laughs> Facts. Necromantic um, two though is absolutely going to be a good solo trip. I'm going to, um, I'm going to embark solo later. I guess we're pulling up uh, uh, the phone. Um, have you seen the sadness yet? The sadness. <laughs> You need to you need to watch the sadness. Okay. It's <laughs> it, it's 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 this horror movie that came out uh, last year. Um, okay. Taiwanese production, but a Canadian director. Um, maybe don't read about it. Okay. I was um, just gonna write the name down. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I, <laughs> yeah. I, 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 no, I, yeah, um, yeah. 
All right. So yeah, we can do some calls. Okay. Maybe I'll maybe I'll <clears throat> say a quick. All right, we're gonna take some calls from uh, from the hot take hotline. <laughs> <laughs> so I just saw the Northmen, and you know it's Viking epic tale. A lot of naked guys. You never see a penis. Not one penis. Spoiler alert: They fight on an exploding volcano. They're naked. You see a little butt shot, but it's too dark to see any goods. You know, they have all this other crazy shit happening again, but no penis. Why is that? Why does Hollywood say no penis? All right, that's my complaint. Thank you. <laughs> I think we I think we have to excerpt why does Hollywood say no penis and put it on the soundboard for future episodes? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I mean I I'm I'm pro there being more penis in film. I think it's when when it comes to obscenity in film, the, the things that are classified as obscene are so relative and not consistent. And you know, boobs and 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 bush are are considered non-obscene things to the uh, the, the the world of cinema. And then dick is so gross and explicit to a lot of people that they. You know, it's just like relative relativity of what people consider obscene or not. Like I'm, I'm like, yeah. show me all the dick. It's the same thing. It's all yeah. the same. There was um, an interview the filmmaker Robert Eggers did that went, you know, I think a sort of quote from it went a little viral. Um, like most people, I didn't actually read the article, so I'm just recounting what I saw on social media. But it was something like Robert Eggers like says he fought really hard to get dick in the movie, and I wanted more dicks, and then everyone was like. Uh, yeah, Robert Eggers, like, go Robert Eggers for saying you wanted more dick. And I'm like, no, fuck that, dude. Like, <laughs> fuck you, Robert Eggers, <laughs> for failing. <laughs> you just gave up. What a worthy cause. Yeah. They, they, I think they, uh, I think he should have fought harder. They fucking, or walked. Yeah. People don't have principles anymore. They, they, there's so much dick on HBO. Yeah. Compared to the Northmen. Apparently, <laughs> I mean, I haven't seen the Northmen, no, but, totally. but, I'm, but I've seen yeah. like you know, I've seen Dick on HBO. Yeah, Definitely. yeah. Well, also the Jackass movie. Um, yes, very Dick. Tons of tons of Dick. Not not to like make it all boil down to like male gaze all over again and porn all over again, but it's the same thing with porn. It's like if you're looking for porn, you're gonna see male gaze POV porn by and large, and and you're really not gonna see too much. That's like you're, you're gonna see stuff that's 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 showing the quote-unquote male POV, not the woman's POV or whatever. And obviously that's a very heterosexual reduction. But I mean, I think that's a lot of it. Film is still dominated by men. Men don't want to see dick because, you know, they're all hang the hang-ups with that or whatever. Not to, not to reduce it to like that, but I think that's a big part of it too. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's go on to our, our next call. Here we go. The Immaculate Conception of Little Dizzle. That is all. All right. <laughs> Who's okay. Little Dizzle? Thank you, sir. Next call. <laughs> um, so this isn't really a question or even really a story. It's just an observation. But um, I'm a film projectionist and, you know, working in the projection booth I'm not always watching films or like watching entire scenes. Where's this going? Um, because of the nature of the work. But uh, I realized recently that I almost always, if I see there's a sex scene, 
I almost always watch the sex scene. And I don't know if that, like, confirms certain stereotypes about film projectionists or what, but... Stereotypes? Um, <laughs> it's the truth. I'm compelled to watch. Yeah, I guess the stereotype is that maybe film projectionists are, like, voyeurs and perverts or something, I, I which I think th- is I thought cool. that they were yeah. just keeping it real. Whacking, whacking off. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, um, that's if I was... If people were having sex on a 20-foot tall screen near me, I would look <laughs> at it. <laughs> Zoe's nodding. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Right on, brother. <laughs> All right. Let's go to our next call. Hi. Um, I'm a 25-year-old non-binary person. And I grew up in like a very sexually repressive household. And so even though I'm an adult now, I still feel a lot of shame around um, my sexuality. And it's really hard for me to feel like anyone could ever be attracted to me or like I could ever be hot or attractive. So I was wondering what advice you would have um, to help somebody feel like less shameful and more positive about their sexuality. Um, Thank you. It's a pretty general question, but I don't mind saying a few words. Sure, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think uh, that is more often than not the way a lot of people feel, regardless of how they present themselves out in the world. I think a lot of people are have anxiety and shame surrounding their sexuality, even if they didn't grow up in a religious household, because it permeates through every aspect of society. Masturbation is a really great way to kind of get more comfortable with our own bodies and, and all that jazz. But I mean, it's, it's such a broad question. How do we feel more confident? How do we feel less ashamed? I think it's a slow, gradual process of feeling more and more, you know, just taking small steps towards, um, these days I'm also just so much more into like developing personal relationships and closeness that have nothing to do with surface level things, nothing to do with what we do or, just like developing close relationships with people that can then blossom into something sexual or romantic instead of top down, I think is really important mm-hmm. and underrated these days. Wait, what, what do you mean by like top down? You mean like not just uh, getting, not just getting to know people because you want to fuck them or date them, mm. but getting to know them as a person and then letting the fucking and the dating develop out of the closeness you establish with them. Not yeah. to say that every yeah. platonic relationship is destined for that, but let, you know, getting to know somebody as a person instead of uh, right. getting to know somebody as somebody you want to fuck. Right. Or, or just, right. yeah. I was actually just having a conversation about this last night and uh, the person I was talking to, he brought up like, you know, I think I might be a demisexual. And, you know, which is something that, you know, I, I identify Wait, I, I with. What demisexual means. Demisexual means that like you can't really get down unless you have like some kind of like emotional or intellectual connection. Oh, no, wait, sure. wait. Yeah, intellectual yeah. is sapiosexual, right? Or Honest, it's all whatever. They all kind of blend together, yeah. and, and people define them on a personal level so differently. But I, right. you know, what's so interesting is that we live in a society. We live in a society. <laughs> it all comes back to it. Just, thanks just, for helping us sell t-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I think that we're not taught to see relationships as, as, as things that can, 
I think we compartmentalize sexual relationships, romantic relationships, and platonic relationships. And if we didn't compartmentalize mm. those things in our culture so much that, you know, maybe the term demisexual would not even exist because we would all just be like, yeah, I need to feel connected in some way to this person. Um, and, and, you know, and maybe that's how we define hookup culture versus dating culture mm-hmm. or whatever. It's so relative um, mm-hmm. to, to where we are and what community we're in. Because I, w- I would say I feel the same way. Except, you know, when I was younger, I would just be like fucking strangers off the internet. But, um, you know, those weren't relationships of any kind at the end of the day. That was like a, like a release. I don't know. <laughs> uh, should we move on to the next? Let's move. Let's keep <laughs> moving. All right. The next one, we have two calls from this number. So maybe they got cut off and okay. restart. Howdy. This is Danny <laughs> from Philadelphia. Hey, buddy. I'm going to give you the best recommendation for a movie. Now, there's fair warning to this. There's some triggering stuff on here. Yes, bring it this on. This movie deals with a lot of crazy shit. But if <laughs> oh, you can get first past the first 20 minutes of this movie and finish it, you're going to say, that's the greatest movie I've ever seen. What movie would that be? Bad Boy Bubby. Yes! <laughs> that's two hours long. Right on, dude. Now, the funny thing is that it did not get released in the United States until April of 2005. Now, the main reason behind this is that within the first 10 minutes of this movie, we're going to be dealing with a lot of crazy shit. Incest, murder, a <laughs> little bit of animals. <laughs> when you see how this movie progress, you're going to say, this is the best movie I've ever seen in my life. So I'm going to read a description. <laughs> Wait, we missed the bu- I'm going <laughs> to... We laughed over one of the, one of the problematic things. Incest. I know. I want murder. Incest. Murder. (laughs) A little bit of animal abuse. Yeah. Let's go to part two of the call. God. (laughs) Only one movie I recommend to people: Bad Boy Bubby. (laughs) Released in 1993. Didn't come to America until 2005. Look it up. Read the description. But just be warned: within the first 20 minutes, there's a lot of triggering stuff. If you can sit through the two hours of this movie, you're going to say that's the best movie I've ever seen in my life. hundred percent. This is Danny from Philadelphia. I mean, it's no human centipede, but it's a, it's a great movie. Yeah. (laughs) Definitely the first 20 minutes, just a dude sitting in a chair. What really out with his mom's (laughs) chest. I was going to say it's well time for Mother's Day, which was yesterday. So yeah. very like good mummy content, mum themed, uh, effed up movie. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I would also recommend watching it and I, I could be wrong about this, but I do believe the animal abuse was not, I think there was something in the way that it was filmed where it was like not as bad as it. I, I think there was something more ethically done in, in filming that I could be yeah. completely wrong though. Animatronics. Yeah. Um, Spencer, anything to add about B3? Oh my God. I just want to keep going. Incest. (laughs) Murder. Murder. (laughs) Yeah. Really? That's another thing we have to put on the the sound bank. (laughs) That's like when the DJ is playing Gimme Shelter (laughs) and they go rape and then they hold the record. (laughs) Murder. I haven't, I haven't ever it's been present for that. Just a shot away. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, take a call from New Jersey. Oh, God. This could also be. Wait. 
Hello, I have a hot take about a movie. Uh, my hot take is that uh, the hottest sex scene to me wasn't even a sex scene. It's the scene between David and Michael from The Lost Boys. It influenced my entire life when I saw it when I was 11 years old. It's extremely hot when he's, he's going to kill him and then he stabs him on some antlers. That's it. That's my hot take. Okay, bye now. Whoa. I don't think I've seen that. So wait, Lost Boys? I've seen Lost Boys. So what she's saying, I don't recall there being, is she saying stabbing him on the antlers is the sex scene? Like that's the the form of- Penetration was achieved by the antlers. And it's like this release of the heterosexual tension between them or or something or- The heterosexual tension? Or uh, homosexual. The demisexual? (laughs) Yeah, the- Vampiro sexual. <laughs> the antler sexual? Yeah. You know, I'm going to take away and glean from this voicemail is how, like, also when I think about t- back to the media I consumed when I was younger, the things that were hot to me were also not explicitly sexual. And it was things like, like someone rescuing somebody and it's kind of like it plays into this more like heady aspect of like the you know I, I hate to keep you like bdsm or whatever but it's like yeah it's like this like the, the tension between two characters or whatever and i used i used to fantasize about being like rescued from train tracks type shit you know all right caller from arizona Whew. hi <clears throat> my take is that sex toys are so expensive And you buy it, and then if it, like, doesn't work for you, you have, like, an extra hundred bucks that you wasted that you can't give to anyone, you can't return. So, I guess you can use it as a dog toy. I don't know. It's kind of fucked up. There should be a better system, right? For, like, cleaning and redistributing them. I don't know. I don't know. That's it. Okay, I got I got thoughts on that. Yes, I would say that relative to especially like five or 10 years ago, even there are like really solid sex toys you can buy for under $30, under $20 that are body safe. And, you know, to some extent, you do get what you pay for. But like, let's say you don't know if you're even gonna like, you know, an air pressure stimulation toy, you can get a more inexpensive one gauge how much you like the sensation of it. Uh, then go back and invest in a, a pricier, more like uh, one that's m- more specific to your needs once you've sussed out whether you like the sensation in the first place. And I would also say there are sex toys that are more versatile than others. And if you get something that can be used in a multitude of ways instead of just in one very specific way, you then also have the uh, chance that, you know, if you don't like using it this way, you can use it another way for example like an insertable toy if you don't like using it internally can be an external vibrator um obviously though yes there's a reason we can't accept returns or repurpose them and i i really do wish there was a way to recycle them a bit better i think it also is something i've definitely done where i've recycled like the the parts of toys you want to call your recycling center before you do that but some places do take them um but I think you can make some like safer purchases. It just requires doing your research, but you're absolutely right. It's not um, sustainable in that sense. And I, I think that that is the benefit of getting a, a like a fancier toy is like if it has like a five or 10 year warranty on it, like, you know, it's going to be lasting a really long time. 
Um, definitely buy from like companies you trust. I'm not saying like just, just my company or whatever, but if you, if you trust the company you're buying from, then it's like you, you can, you know, if, if there is an issue with it, you can be like, Hey, this broke. Um, what's your, you know, defect policy, whatever. Um, but yeah, I definitely think it's like something we shouldn't impulse buy, especially online because reading reviews will really give you a lot of insight, but I agree with you. There should be a better way to recycle them. Yeah, we need like yeah. the Warby Parker of sex toys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you also don't want a recycled material set. Like while there are ways you can recycle parts, it's like if if you knew something or something was like recycled silicone, like people would just not feel comfortable buying that right. also. So yeah, it's unfortunately yeah, yeah. like this catch-22 of like it, people feel very strongly that like no one's ever even like touched or looked at their toy. Right. and And like the... hygienics of that or like the the hygiene aspect is what makes that a really tricky one as well as far as like so is it i mean is it more of like a i guess there are two issues one would be like purely like hygiene and sanitation of obviously like reusing a sex toy but then also the like i guess psychological sloppy seconds yeah (laughs) i mean yeah like oh someone's discarded dildo i'm not gonna use that yeah i don't know but i don't know could there theoretically be a secondhand market for sex toys if, you know, from like a, I guess, health and hygiene perspective, like people felt comfortable? I'm not a chemist. However, silicone is non-porous. So theoretically one could recycle silicone. However, it's still just like the psychological element of somebody. It's like very different if it's like, oh, I've got my grocery bag and it's made from recycled bottles. You're not like inserting that into your body. So even if it is a hygienic item, I think that we are not like, I think mentally a lot of people just wouldn't be comfortable with that idea. I personally like, I'm like, if it's, if it's sterilized and sanitized, then it is. Um, yeah. But <laughs> I mean, I mean right? not, every, yeah. not everyone's at that level yet. Yeah. 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 Well, what, it's okay. Well, we don't need to be. I mean. But it's also, I mean, people probably have this too with like, like, you know, changing partners, like, or, or even let's say you're in like a monogamous relationship and then you break up and then you're in another one. It's like, do you yeah. use the same sex toy on your partner that you used with the previous one from a, again, like a health and hygiene, but then also from like a, emotional mental you know like would you would you peg your new boyfriend with the same you know oh yeah Uh, some people care and some people that's like a bill callahan song yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) you gotta just like talk about it i think it's better to just be like hey so like this is silicone and i've boiled it and sanitized it but like how do you feel about me using this dildo that I have? It's, yeah, you know, yeah. or do you want to go shopping for a new one? Like, yeah. mm-hmm. it's just communication because it's going to vary so greatly person to person. But yeah, yeah. So both psychologically and um, like a. <laughs> yeah. What if you were a different person yesterday than you were today? Oh, mm. wow. So yeah. thinking That's about expensive. That way. Gotta, gotta. Every day of my life, <laughs> I try to become a new and better person. Um, I was going to say, this is a very like endearingly awkward recording session. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. we've gotten, I mean, in the best way where it's like, we were like stumbling over like, uh, you know, censor- censorship and like what's okay and ethics. And like now we get to like awkwardly endearingly stumble through these sex questions together. Yeah. I love it. It's, it's, it was it's, a movie it's so much this fun. This is familiar territory for me. So I'm not awkward. <laughs> Everyone's awkward. buttons get pushed in a different way today. Yeah. 
All right, let's take a caller from Texas. Hey, Screen Slate. Uh, I just saw your message about uh, sex on film. I think the sex scene in Booksmart is one of the uh, most important sex scenes to look at in recent memory because I think it is shot not by the action of sex, but by the emotion and the understanding of relationship and uh, connection through sex. Um, that is very important to understand. And I think that's very strange for an American film, especially for a first time uh, director who's, you know, a very established Hollywood person. So, the um, yeah, I think it's one of the greatest sex scenes of recent memory. Um, besides that, you know, WR Mysteries of the Organism is probably the greatest sex movie ever. Long live the Oregon Chamber, long live Wilhelm Reich. Um, thank you. Uh, good night. Good night. That brings um, it back to Machiavelli. Well, well, I was just gonna say I've I've never seen Booksmart. Me neither. And now that I know that it has a sex scene, I you're gonna still avoid don't it. See Booksmart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe want to see Booksmart even less. In fact, uh, you're gonna go out right now and start smashing Blu-rays. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just I, get this filth out of our stores. <laughs> this is a great opportunity for me to just say, like, I really hate most sex scenes in movies because. Uh, so often the way they're depicted just feels um, almost, let me, let me back up and say this. People like to blame our hangups with sexuality on porn and explicit adult material. But I think that like non adult film is just as, if not more impactful on like negative interpretations we have of sex. Um, I, it's rare to see a sex scene where it isn't just like, you know, again, a dude pumping, and then coming and then rolling over. And, you know, if you're like, if you're me and you're just watching movies like that growing up, it's like, you really do think sex is just like that. It is, it is like a man getting off and orgasming and then a woman just being like, <sighs> and then it's over. And, you know, the sheets are precariously placed in all the right spots on the body. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I think that, <laughs> yeah there's just it's rare to see a sex scene that isn't following that formula right mm -hmm. right right so and, and if it they doesn't don't speak to me and if it doesn't follow that formula it's often in a sort of like comedic or you know again like i mentioned like pegging earlier like if you were to see pegging in a film it would probably be like a joke or a punchline uh rather than just i don't know maybe these people are just that's how they're having sex Susan yeah. Sarandon bringing out the wedge. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that also, just because you, you've mentioned pegging a couple times, I think that's something that's been a lot more of a mainstream subject lately. And we can thank media. For, I mean, like uh, that specifically ties back to like Broad City uh, having a whole episode surrounding pegging when oh, I noticed there well yeah yeah but like I noticed that when that particular piece of media was released is like when people started talking about it a lot more in mm -hmm. a less like hush hush type of way and similarly sex in the city did that with like the rabbit vibrator the magic wand and you know I'm not saying that these are like necessarily positive or negative portrayals of these things but when topics seep into 
mainstream culture is like when we start seeing them get talked about a lot more 50 mm. shades of gray did that too and like i fucking hate that movie but it did and the mm. book series what you know that's that's more of an, a depiction of abuse than B, bdsm but that's a different story but like that got people who might not have otherwise felt comfortable approaching the subject being like huh spanking or like cable right, balls. Right, right, right. so yeah, it's like yeah, yeah. even if it's like a fucked up portrayal of something having it be a part of mainstream culture can still also influence the way our intimate lives and the conversations we have about them are playing out which yeah. i think is sometimes you know very influential just as influential as porn yeah yeah, you're like the, the sort of the educational in a way. Well, it's, it's not quite educational, but more just so, somewhere between that and just sort of like loosening things up a little bit. Just like maybe start with a pinky and then pretty soon <laughs> it's your whole hand, you know, but like. But yeah, just yeah. broaching yeah. the subject matter. Yeah, sure. yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I guess fisting is another thing that's like typically used in like punchline fashion that, um, yeah, let's just see some more fisting and. I mean, but I, you're, you see, I, you're the one making a punchline uh, out of it, but I, uh, well, it's funny too, because like, I'm not trying to make everybody yeah. in the room here uncomfortable, but like, I think fisting is awesome and people should do it more often because like your hand is like a Swiss army knife when it comes to a sex tool. It's like yeah. everyone's so yeah. preoccupied with size, but everyone has fucking hands. So if you Absolutely. want something big inside yeah. of you, use your fucking hand. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, like, <laughs> especially also like, right. Like, you know, you get to this certain point if you're turned on. And like you know your body just changes and you kind True. of need like the next level sort of like <laughs> punching through but like you know like like it, this is why we need a video podcast so. <laughs> you watch me twisting my fist you know yes. sort of, so you but, gotta no, do it I mean, more like this it's more of oh yeah i mean as also nymphomaniac Wait. did mention is like the silent duck is right. the actual fist you want to use here i'm not even doing a right. good job you want to make it more tapered i do this yeah, the silent duck. Yeah. Uh, all right, Washington State. Hey, guys. Hey. Um, I wanted to let you know what I think the sexiest uh, movie sex scene is, and it's Timothy Chalamet and Army Hammer. Um, so that's all I have to say. If you know, you know. Oh, man. I don't want to touch that one with a 10-foot pole. Yeah, I don't want to be a hater, but... <laughs> all right this is our possibly final one okay i don't know oregon kind of sounds like oregon to, i don't know <laughs> okay this is for uh sangria hey for zoe hi um this is a question that my roommate and i have been asking each other a lot and I can't wait i would love to hear your answer because we're wondering what movie like what PG or R movie, if you could make it into porn, like really good porn directed, produced, shot in the same quality, save actors, like it was just that movie and became porn at a certain point, what movie would you do? First thing that comes to mind is like anything with Muppets, uh, Dark oh, yeah. Crystal. No. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, God. I don't know if I have an answer for that one. Yeah. I mean, I my brain just goes to like all types of ridiculous places because um, it reminds me of the question, like if you could remake any movie with just Muppets, what movie would it be? You right. know what I mean? Where like everyone's a Muppet, maybe except for like one character. So right. the, for me, the question 
kind of reads like that. Oh, fuck. What movie would you remake I, with Mups? Oh, wait. It, was this like a thread or something on Twitter? No, it was, or it, maybe, The Muppet yeah, one like was. A, it was, okay. Um, I love how the, the question was addressed to you specifically, so Spencer should and answer I can't it too, answer. I think. Yeah, right. <laughs> if I could remake it I into I was a thongria. porn. Yeah. <laughs> You don't practice thongria. I'd say rest stop. (laughs) (laughs) Rest stop. Oh yeah. Hell yeah. Um, Tusk the movie by Kevin Smith. Oh my god. (laughs) Oh. Oh. There's your. Oh god! Don't get me started on the yeah Canadian trilogy universe. Red state. Red state. Tusk. Yoga hosers. Three movies that are a trilogy. That mm. have no business being a trilogy with each other. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know if I have a serious answer for that one, to be quite honest. So I'm going to go with Tusk. Okay. So sorry, caller. I don't have something more enlightening Wait, for you. Was that Muppets or was that porno? Porno. I, I would love Tusk, Tusk porno? to be um, I mean, a Tusk porn. Tusk is already kind of a Muppet, Muppet movie. movie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um you uh, know what maybe like um ex- existence that'd be a good mm, porn yeah yeah because it already is pretty i mean all cronenberg cronenberg <laughs> is pretty horny that's cronenberg cronenberg yeah existence would be a great porn yeah i i think the the complete films of michael powell and emmerich pressburger would be excellent pornographic motion pictures uh, Black Narcissus, which is about uh, nuns in the Himalayas, mm. and like this dude shows up, and they get all hot and bothered over him, and it's beautifully shot by the great cinematographer Jack Cardiff, who also shot um, Rambo Three. Beautiful uh, production design. It's just an incredible Technicolor production, and it's already kind of hot. Um, and I think if everyone just had sex with each other it would be even better <laughs> and you know same for the red shoes a matter of life and death uh peeping tom which is uh michael powell solo um the life and death of colonel blimp <laughs> okay oh boy i think that the question's funny because i think there's so much stuff that is both porn and movie and Again, it's relative. Also, I mean, like every every um, Paul Verhoeven movie, you know, like RoboCop or I mean, you know, like obviously he did like Showgirls and Benedetta, you know, but like, you know, RoboCop should be. Why is everyone looking at me? Because <laughs> you're talking. <laughs> oh, wait, I was just thinking of what if don't look up. Was a point. <laughs> oh, God. I mean, it's like kind of set up that way. Like no, it's yeah, so many, you can mark so many unsample. moments where like people just like get get down or up. Mm-hmm. I don't think this should be made into a porn, but I think we really need to like raise consciousness and awareness around the movie Food Fight! Exclamation point! Oh Ooh. yeah, Food I Fight! I don't know this Hello, one. you don't Wait, know Food educate Fight? Me, yeah. Wow, um, it's a train wreck of a film that was like designed for kids and like ended up being a little too inappropriate and adult. And oddly, has like Eva Longoria voicing one of the characters. I don't even know how to describe it. Oh, it's like it. animated. It's, it's, it, it, yes, and it has the what do you call it when like brands sort of like heavy get, brand uh, product place. Just it's yeah. it's one big ad. It's it's a mm-hmm. 
terrible, terrible movie. Definitely an effed up film. It's for a com- sure. it's computer animated too. Yeah, it is. It's like bad computer animation Ooh-hoo. for its time. Whoa. All yeah. right. I'm going to check out Food Fight, Rest Stop. Ooh, what? I just remembered um, a bit lesser, but we're talking about like uh, Zoom movies or whatever. Yeah. Uh, Safer at Home, oh. which was made during the shutdown. Is that the one we watched? Yeah, you we know, watched we, that. Spencer and I have our own little movie club. We had uh, our own little movie club. John Cracksman. Yeah. Well, but also um, the remember the uh, the burner twitch. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we have two movie clubs. Yeah, which I ended up like doing a a series of movies, one of which uh, included one that you brought to me. You brought me Madness. Oh, yeah, yeah. The Steven Mnuchin's wife movie. Uh, What's her name? Louise Linton. Yeah, Louise Linton. Wife of the um, U.S., former U.S. Treasury Secretary. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, we've covered a lot of ground from the um, 285 Kent to, yeah, 9-11 t-shirts. Man. (laughs) COVID. Wow. I think we just recorded like six episodes. I'm so sorry. (laughs) For all the good gems I've given you. Yeah, totally. Oh, yeah. All killer, no filler. Um, Um, I just also gotta say you you played la residencia right that was your yeah, pick yeah, yeah. right yeah. i think people should watch that i think that's really good yeah, and like if you sick. like suspiria you should watch that and yeah. that's a movie you got me into also liquid sky right i didn't program liquid sky okay i just saw it I on ripped, your shelf i ripped the dvd okay. when we showed it well anyway okay. <laughs> and then you spencer did a offshore television that's right night. and i don't know if you've ever talked about that before but i i'd say that's like a a good obscure nugget that was implanted in my brain by you. And I just want to like say that these two dudes influenced my, my taste and weird shit. So like I, I, everything I have to blame my taste on both of you a little bit. <laughs> That's really great. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. That's a great, great honor. Um, yeah. I mean, it's just all part of like uh, the cycle. I, thank you. That's, that's, that's really, that's really sweet. Yeah. It's and true. likewise, you know, when I'm when I'm thinking about like uh Thongria and Spectrum Boutique and I just think it's always so good at this and Thanks. I don't respect I, the the <laughs> hustle and uh very inspiring. I'm also mad into this movie discord thing. I, I yeah, was yeah. not aware of it. Yeah, maybe we you can should pop program a night. Yeah. You should program really? a night. Oh, I got yeah. a mo- yeah, yeah. I got a movie. We like double headers or oh, even really? triple headers. Cool. Really? Yeah, we okay. like we like marathon screening. I, I'll. <laughs> I've I've streamed for twelve hours straight, and I'll do it again. Yeah. <laughs> I'll fucking do it. I'll yeah. do it again. Hell yeah! All right. Well, thanks so much for for being here and and being on. And yeah, this has been a ton of fun. What a treat! Thank you guys. I know it's been so rad. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm like exhausted, but also I have like so much. Let's keep going. To think about. I know we and, could really yeah, just yeah, talk yeah, for the entire afternoon. Exactly. So we'll exactly. Yeah. Instead off. of watching the sadness, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Word. You have been listening to the Screen Slate Podcast. I'm your host, John Derringer. Today's co-host is C. Spencer Ye, who's also the audio engineer. And our very special guest is Zoe Ligon, a.k.a. Thongria, a.k.a. The Dildo Duchess. You can visit at spectrumboutique.com or follow her Instagram account or join her Discord. 
So please stay in touch with all of us. You can follow ScreenSlate at, at ScreenSlate on Instagram and Twitter. Visit our website, ScreenSlate.com. This episode was sponsored by the German Film Office. So visit them at GermanFilmOffice.us. And you can stay in touch on all the German film happenings in New York City and beyond. And please visit us at Patreon.com slash ScreenSlate. Become a member and you can support the podcast our write-ups, our New York City film listings, our programs, everything we do. All right. Thanks, everybody.